Hey, Babylonians. Hey there. Hi there. Hello there. have been with us for a long time even from the beginning and we cannot say thank you enough and I know a lot of you have been asking a lot lately how do you make your own podcast well it's simple I use anchor Anchor anchor.fm which is the website or there is an app or you can go on your computer whatever you want to do it's the easiest way Um, it is run through Spotify so that is one of the first uh, platforms that you'll be able to distribute your podcast out onto and there's lots of different it'll stream to at least I think 10 different platforms or more um, I'm going to give you a quick rundown about how it works anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer so no matter where your setup is like you can start creating today today and tell me what your podcast name is because you know I'm gonna listen Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify. I know a lot of you have been asking for video. Don't worry, I'm working on it. With Anchor, creators can earn money, yes, yes, you heard that right, in a variety of ways, including ads like this one and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. That's what sold me even though it didn't have to sell me because it's free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy listening. Um, little baby Apollo is present for this one, but hopefully he won't be too terribly noisy because him's he's eating. Him's eating the good stuff. Yes. Boobs. Yes. Um, <laughs> in case you weren't aware, sure. that's how we do things around here. <laughs> I'm very fortunate my body can do this. Facts. So it's a good time. Um, I hope you guys are uh, well recovered from that first part <laughs> of Emmett Till's story. Because if, I mean, because we're just, we're, we're doing jumping this. right in, guys. So if you recovered, be prepared to reopen be that prepared. fucking wound. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, uh, nothing to uh, report on considering we're, we're <laughs> recording this all together in one night because I like it when it's fresh in our brains. Mm-hmm. Um, and just getting ahead, you know, is easy to handle being on maternity leave and having a little tiny human and then a bigger but still tiny human that Arlo likes to say sometimes that he's like, I'm tiny, and then he does other things. He goes, no, nah, I'm a big boy. Mm-hmm. Cracks me up. So, nothing really to report um, at this time. I don't probably in the next week we won't have Wyoming I'm sure but if you show up hi hey Wyoming hey Wyoming we love you we, and love we appreciate you. your support and listening yes even if it doesn't tell us that you do um now he's gonna go to sleep of course that's okay um but yeah so uh I guess we can just jump right on into it um hopefully you're not listening to this as a first timer because I'm like I feel like that'd be silly to listen to a second part of a if the first part's out but if not welcome hello this Mm -hmm. is part two of the Emmett Till uh really awful lynching case back in 1955 um we talked about his childhood and leading up into 
Well, I mean, all he had was a childhood as he was brutally murdered at 14 years old for the simple fact of probably not whistling in that way to a stupid fucking biatch. Um, okay, sorry, lost my train of thought because my kid is on my boob. Um, but now we're going to be getting into the trial because um, last we had said, um, Bryant and Milam, which are the two guys, um, Roy Bryant and I don't remember, oh, J.W. Milam, they were the two that ended up going to Emmett Till's uncle's house, picking him up, and then taking him and brutally murdering him and then disposing of his body. It's gross. I fucking hate every moment of this yeah. case in particular. In case you forgot, Sean absolutely to... fucking hates this. <laughs> As do I. Um, yeah, yeah. I try not to look at her too much because then I'll start sobbing yeah, too. I'm as just being a naturally emotional person, you know, just with having said child and whatnot. Um, and just being naturally emotional naturally. Did I say naturally enough? Naturally. Hey, naturally you did. Naturally. <laughs> okay, so we're going to just jump right into it. So um, the trial was held in the county courthouse in Sumner. Oh, I guess I should just warn you to begin with. The outcome isn't awesome. Um Okay, so anyways, the... I mean, why would it be? Because, you know, justice... Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Okay, trial was held in county court now, courthouse in Sumner, the western seat of Tallahatchie County, because Till's body was found in that area. Actually, I, are I, we sure it's his body? Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, those white folk are claiming it's not. Yeah. Fuck fucking bitches. Stupid white people. Mm-hmm. And as white people... As white people, we're, we're allowed just to like, say that. We're fucking really Dumb. upset with our race in this case. Fucking in, in, in a lot of cases, too. In a lot of cases, honest. but this one, it's brutal. Okay, um, Sumner had one boarding house. A small town was besieged by reporters from all over the country, which I think is absolutely... Love that. Um, wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, David Halberstam, uh, called the trial the first great media event of the civil rights movement. A reporter who had covered the trials of Bruno Hauptmann... Hauptmann? Hauptmann? And Machine Gun Kelly... Not the rapper. Um, <laughs> oh my God, remarked. Seriously? Yeah. Uh, remarked that this was the most pub. Sorry, was the most publicity for any trial that he had ever seen. No hotels were open to black visitors. Fuck you. Sorry. So gross. That's definitely in the notes here. Um, Mamie Bradley, his mom, agreed or arrived to testify, and the trial was. Um, okay, sorry. The trial also attracted black congressman Charles Diggs from Michigan. Bradley. Diggs and several black reporters um, stayed at TRM Howard's home in Mound Bayou. <laughs> I, I was like, I was looking at it and I'm like, Bayou just didn't look right in my head, but that's the word. I'm fine. <laughs> Located on a large lot and surrounded by Howard's armed guards, it resembled a compound. Oh, that's so sad. Um, the day before the start of the trial, a young black man named Frank Young arrived to tell Howard he knew um, two witnesses to the crime, Levi Tutite Collins, which we talked about. Um, in the last week. episode, and uh, Henry Lee Loggins, who were black employees of Leslie Milam, J.W.'s brother, in whose shed um, Emmett was beaten. Collins and Loggins were spotted with J.W. Milam, Bryant, and Emmett. The prosecution team was unaware of Collins and Loggins, but I remember, if you listen to part one, there was they said there was two black men in the back of the car, but they couldn't really identify him because I think this was all well, it was happening between 2 a.m. and 3 30 a.m. I believe. Um, Sheriff Strider, however, booked them into the Charleston, Mississippi jail to keep them from testifying. Fuck you, Sheriff Strider. Wow. I just... Um, 
Mm. Yep, exactly, to put it kindly in those grunts. Um, the trial was held in September of 1955 and lasted for five days. Attendees remembered that the weather was very hot. The courtroom was filled to capacity with 280 spectators. Black attendees sat in segregated sections. That's what they remember. I remember it was really hot. Not that this was the most bogus and disgusting thing. That, yeah. Not maybe not the, but one of the. This was just fucking heinous and absolute. But you know what? It, it was, was so really, really hot. hot. Fuck you. Ugh. Okay. Um, press from major national newspapers attended, including black public publications. Black reporters were required to sit in their segregated black section and away from the white press, oh, far, farther from the jury. Sheriff Strider welcomed black spectators coming back from lunch with a cheerful hello. You know what word he said. Ew. What? Yeah. I, I can't, even just reading it in this, these notes, like just looking at the word just makes my skin fucking crawl. Um, some visitors from the North found that the court to be run with surprising informality. Jury members were allowed to drink, to drink beer while on duty, and many white male spectators wore handguns. Because that's going to be, okay, let's have the jury drink while, okay. And carry fine. guns? Yeah. Are you, I don't, this is 55? Yeah, 1955. Uh, yep. The defense um, sought to cast doubt on the identity of the body pulled from the river. If you didn't listen to the last part... Yeah, they pulled the bo- pulled Emmett's body and said, oh, that may not even be him, and that the NAACP put the body there. Yeah, okay, it's one thing to say it was hard to recognize because the body was so mutilated. Yeah, and, and then water and destroyed and bloated. Water bloated, yeah. Bloatation and stuff. Yeah. But to, to claim that this, there's no way, like, just, Shut I, the f- I fucking hate, I hate everything about this. I hate it all. Yep. Um, they said it could not be positively identified, and they questioned whether Emmett was dead at all. The defense also asserted that although Bryant and Milam had taken Emmett from his great uncle's house, they had released him that night. Um, yeah, by disposing of his body after he was murdered, but it's fine. Um, the defense yeah. attorneys raised him into the water, guys, with a fan on top of him. So there's that. Yeah, Sorry. it's fine. It's fine. Okay. It's yep. fine. The defense attorneys attempted. Uh, okay, the defense attorneys attempted to prove that Mose Wright, who was addressed as Uncle Mose by the prosecution and Mose by the defense, of course. Could not identify Bryant and Milam as the men who took Emmett from his cabin. They noted- sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just, I'm still with that whole body thing. And that's why the mother decided to have an open casket funeral so everybody can see what was done to her baby boy. Yeah. Because it wasn't really him. Exactly. Sorry. Sorry, no, Babylonians. It's... I just, I am so distraught right now. She's very not, fucking upset. Now, and not, if you're not upset, you, I don't know if you should be listening. Um, Sorry. Be a little upset. Listen, you can listen to the baby noises because it's kind of helping me as tears flow down my cheeks. It's fine. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Oh, actually, I'm not going to be sorry because, I mean, he's just he's nursing away. No, because baby noises are the best noises. While we're talking about this. Yep. <laughs> they noted <laughs> that only Milam's flashlight had been used, had been in use that night and no other, oops, no other lights in the house were turned on. Milam and Bryant had identified themselves to write that um, the evening they took Emmett. They said, um, or Wright said he had only seen Milam clearly. Um, Wright's testimony was considered um, remarkably courageous. It may have been the first time in the South that a black man had testified to the guilt of a white man in court and lived. Fuck yeah, Uncle Mose. You know what, Mel? I love you. And I'm sorry. Yeah, I have to have to go through that. Um, cause then, cause imagine if he would have tried to stop them, that would have, it would have been more 
More murder. More murder. Like, mm-hmm. they would have taken everyone in the house, I'm sure. Well, and there and was other... Just that this was going on before then, too. This just happened to wake up some people and and get some crazy public... I just... I hate... I hate... I hate... Ooh, we'll have to use I that hate picture. how privileged pe- white people are. I, I Absolutely. Can... <sighs> it's not fair. Nope. And people say, oh, nothing. Well, who said life is fair? You know what? Fucking, I say life should be fair in a lot of circumstances. So yeah. fuck right off. And, yep. and for exactly. everyone. Exactly. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue, sister. I'm sorry. Right. Um, journalist James Hicks, who worked for the Black News Wire Service, the National... Okay. The National Negro Publishers Association... I said that weird. Later renamed the National Newspaper Publishers Association. Because it shouldn't matter that that word is in there. Um, was present in the courtroom. He was especially impressed that Wright stood to identify Milan, pointing to him and saying, there he is, calling it a historic moment and one filled with electricity. A writer for the New York Post noted that following following his identification, Wright sat with a lurch, which told better than anything else to the cost and strength of him of the thing that he had done. A reporter who had covered the trial for the New Orleans Times Picayan? Sure. Said it was the most dramatic thing I saw in my career. Good year. Little baby noises. <laughs> you guys hear it? Does this help? Because it helps me. I'm now smiling. Um, sorry, he's got bark. Um, Mamie Bradley testified that she instructed her son to watch his manners in Mississippi and that it, should a situation ever come to his being asked to get on his knees to ask forgiveness of a white person, he should do it without a thought. The defense questioned her identification of her son in the casket in Chicago and a $400 life insurance policy she had taken out on him. Okay. Oh my. Yeah. Um, While the trial progressed, um, LaFleur County Sheriff George Smith Howard and several reporters, black and white, attempted to locate Collins and Loggins. They could not be found, but three witnesses who had seen them with Milam and Bryant on Leslie Milam's property. Two of them testified that they had heard someone being beaten, blows, and cries. One testified, oh no, so quietly that the judge ordered him several times to speak louder. He said he heard the victim call out, no, 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 no. Oh, this is what Emmett said. Mama, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Jesus. Oh. Oh, I hate it. Okay, okay, I'm fine. Judge mm, Curtis Swango allowed Carolyn Bryant to testify, fuck her, but not in front of the jury after the prosecution objected that her testimony was irrelevant to Till's objection and murder and may have been leaked in any case to the jury. Sheriff Strider testified for the defense's theory that Till, um, Emma, sorry, was alive that the body retrieved from the water, from the river was white. Fuck you. Oh, oh my god. A doctor from Greenwood stated on the stand that the body was too decomposed to identify and therefore had been in the water too long for it to be Emmett. Whatever. Fuck all these people, man. You, I'm okay. Even just looking at the picture that I had and showed, like you, he's got features. Like, mm-hmm. he's ugh, fuck you, fuck you. Okay. In the concluding statements, one prosecuting attorney said that what Emmett did was wrong, but that his action warranted a spanking, not murder. I mean, for the time, I guess. I guess uh, I would have rather. Okay. Um, it's fine. I wasn't there. It's fine. Gerald Chatham passionately called I mean, for it's justice. it's not fucking fine. But. It's not fine. I'm just trying to be fine with it. I know. I know. Um, Gerald Chatham passionately called for justice and mocked the sheriff and doctor statements that alluded to a, to a conspiracy. Mamie Bradley indicated she was very impressed with his summation. 
The defense stated that the prosecution's theory of the events uh, the night Emmett was murdered was improbable, and said the jury's oh. fourth. Oh, oh, good, good job. job. <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys, gotta adjust here for just one moment. Um. Okay, I lost my spot, so we're gonna pause for the cause. Okay. Sorry about that. Had to adjust. Okay. Um. Okay. The defense stated that the prosecution's theory of the events that night Emmett was murdered was improbable and said the jury's forefathers would turn over in their graves if they convicted Bryant and Milam. Only three outcomes were possible in Mississippi for capital murder, life imprisonment, the, de the death penalty, or acquittal. Oh boy, here we go. On September 23rd, the all-white, all-male jury, both women and blacks had been banned, acquitted both defendants after a 67-minute deliberation. One juror said, quote, if we hadn't stopped to drink pop, it wouldn't have taken that long. So these guys brutally murdered this child for something he whistled or catcalled to this woman, supposedly. Possibly. Even could have just, because he couldn't pronounce his B's, but made a little whistle sound. Yep. He made a fucking noise that some white person didn't approve of. A white woman. And as a white woman, I say, go fuck yourself, Carolyn. Yeah. Samesies. Um, um, so they are acquitted. In the post-trial analysis, blame for the outcome varied. Mamie Bradley was criticized for not crying enough on the stand. Sorry, his mom was a bad bitch, and she didn't need to cry. She did way more mm -hmm. and didn't need to be a sobbing, blubbering mess. Like, she made sure her son was seen by the world. The world saw her son in his... Br mm -hmm. Okay, all right, I'm fine. Um, the jury was noted to have been picked um, almost exclusively from the Hill Country section of Tallahatchie County, which due to its pouring economic makeup found whites and blacks competing for land and other um, opportunities. So unlike the population living closer to the river and thus closer to Bryant and Milam in Lafleur County who possessed a um, noblesse obliged outlook, I don't know what that's italicized, to, toward blacks According to historian Stephen Whitaker, those in the eastern part of the country, of the county, sorry, were, um, were very strong in their racism. Prosecution was criticized for dismissing any potential juror who knew Milam or Bryant personally for fear that such a juror would vote to acquit. Afterwards, Whitaker noted that, that this had been a mistake as those who knew the defendants usually disliked them. One juror voted twice to um, convict, but on the third discussion voted with the rest of the jury to acquit. Aww. In later interviews, the jurors acknowledged that they knew Bryant and Milam were guilty, but simply didn't believe that life imprisonment or the death penalty would, were fit punishment for whites who had killed a black man. He's a, okay, he was a child. Yeah, a child. Okay, I'm fine. Nope. Two jurors said as of late um, said as late as 2005 that they believed the defense's case. They also said the prosecution had not proved that Emmett had died, nor that it was his body that was removed from the it river. Just grosses me I out. I just like well, fine. It's oh it's not fine. It's just oh absolutely just disturbing and 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 barbaric that they think something like this. Just fuck right off and go to hell. Exactly. I hope you're fucking burning alive. Um, if you're Daily. not alive anymore. Over and over, over and over and over and over again. Um, in November 1955, a grand jury declined to indict Bryant and Milam for kidnapping, despite their own admissions to saying they took Emmett that night. Mose and his uncle and a young man named Willie Reed, who testified 
to uh, seeing Milam enter the shed from which screams and blows were heard, both testified in front of the grand jury. After the trial, TRM Howard paid the cost of relocating to Chicago for Wright, Reed, and another black witness who testified against Milam and Bryant in order to protect the three witnesses from, um, from reprisals for having testified. Reed, who had later changed his name to Willie Lewis to avoid being found, continued to live in the Chicago area until he died on July 18, 2013. He avoided publicity and even kept his history secret from his wife until she was told by a relative. Reed began to speak publicly about the case in the PBS documentary The Murder of Emmett Till, which aired in 2003. Um, PBS? PBS. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so... And then this gets more into like the media, um, like newspapers in major cities and religious and socialist publications reported outrage about the verdict and strong criticism of the American society. Southern newspapers, particularly in Mississippi, wrote that the court trials, that the court system had done its job by, okay. Emmett's story continued to make the news for weeks following the trial, sparking debate in newspapers among the NAACP and various high-profile segregationists about injustice for blacks and the propriety of Jim Crow society. In October of 1955, the Jackson Daily News reported facts about Emmett's father that had been suppressed by the U.S. military. While serving in Italy, Lewis oh, had raped two women and killed a third. Ugh, why would... That doesn't fucking... He didn't... That's not him. That, yeah. Uh, um, he was, he was court-martialed, and we had talked about he had um, been executed, but he was executed by hanging by the n army near Pisa in July of 1945. So let's do that to make it seem like this kid, this child, what happened to him wasn't so bad because his father was a monster, his father who wasn't even in his life. Right, exactly. Ugh. Yeah. His biological. And I, biological like, he, ugh. Oh, my gosh. The, the, the length... People will go. Yep. This is 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 so revolting. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, it, and it also mentions about how Bryant and Milam were protected against double jeopardy, which is where you can they can go back to court to be retried. Mm -hmm. um, they ended up striking a deal with Look Magazine in 1956 to tell their story to journalist William Bradford Huey for between thirty six hundred and four thousand dollars. The interview took place in the law firm of the attorneys who had defended Bryant and Milam. Huey did not ask the questions Bryant and Milam's own attorneys did. Neither attorney had heard their client's accounts of the murder before. According to Huey, the older Milam was more the older Milam was more articulate and sure of himself than the younger Bryant. Milam right. admitted to shooting Till, and neither of them believed they were guilty or that, that they had done anything wrong. Um, it shows a quote here that says um, that Milam said. He said, what else could I do? He thought he was as good as any white man. And that's him talking about why he ended up killing Emmett. Okay. So they full-on admitted to it. But what yet, else could I do? Yeah. What else? You say, you know what, brother? You're right. Let's go have a beer. Wait, you're 14. Maybe not have a beer. Let's go, I don't know. Fucking, you don't kill him. You don't murder him. You sick mm -hmm. fuck. Like, yep. I just hate... Eh. Yeah. Racism so much. Yep. Oh my gosh. So yeah, the reaction to the interview was pretty explosive. <laughs> they what is this? She's fucking justifying his shit, Nicole. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I this know. Is what it says I it know. Is. Don't shoot the messenger. I know. I'm sorry. I'm just so it's angry. Just, I hate yeah. it. I hate it. I hate it. 
Um, their brazen admission that they had murdered Emmett caused prominent civil rights leaders to push the federal government harder to investigate this case. Um, Emmett's murder contributed to congressional passage to the Civil Rights Act of 1957. It authorized the U.S. Department of Justice to intervene in local law enforcement issues when individual civil rights were being compromised. Hughes' interview in which Milam and Bryant said they had acted alone overshadowed the inconsistencies in earlier versions of the stories. As a consequence, details about others who had possibly been involved in Emmett's abduction and murder or the um, subsequent cover-up were forgotten, according to historians David and Linda um, I guess Beto. So, um, yeah, and then it just goes on to, well, I guess we can talk about, yeah, well, okay, we'll just keep going, fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. So later events that, um, his murder increased fears in the local black community that they would be subjected to violence and the law would not protect them. According to Dolores Melton Gresham, whose father was killed a few months after Till, Quote, she said, at that time, they used it to say, it's open season on ends. Oh Kill them and get away with it. gosh. Yep. That. That right there. Are you... I'm not surprised, but I'm... I'm, 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 I'm the fact that the, that could even be said, it's open season on yeah. murdering black people. They don't say that word. You know what No, they, they use the worst word ever. Yep. And... Um, after Bryant and Milam admitted to Hugh that they had killed Emmett, the support base of the two men eroded in Mississippi. Many of their former friends and supporters, including those who had contributed to their defense funds, cut them off, as they should have. Yeah. Um, blacks boycotted their shops, which went bankrupt, and they ended up closing, and banks refused to grant them loans to plant crops. After struggling to secure a loan and find someone who would rent to him, Milam, mani- Milam managed to secure 217 acres and a $4,000 loan to plant cotton, but blacks refused to work for him, because, duh. Um, he and was, he was going to... And he ended up... Oh he my. was forced to pay whites higher wages. Eventually, they both relocated to Texas, but their infamy followed them. Um, and was a fucking bitch, and she's angry. Yeah. Um... Uh, in 1961, while in Texas, Bryant recognized the license plate of a Tallahatchie County resident. Sorry, I thought I heard my child. You do. He's coming. Um, okay. Um, oh my gosh. Pause for the gal. Okay. Sorry about that. <clears throat> okay, so, okay. We were talking about while in Texas, Bryant recognized the license plate of a Tallahatchie County resident, called out a greeting, and identified himself. The resident, upon hearing his name, drove away without speaking. Should have ran him over. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not sorry. That just came out really fast. Um, after several years, they returned to Mississippi. Milam found work as a heavy equipment operator, but Ilhorth. I don't even know. Ill health forced him into retirement. Oh, boo! Oh, so sad for you, you fuckhead! You guys are aggressive. Okay. Over the years, um, Milam was tried for offenses such as assault and battery, writing bad checks, and using a stolen credit card. He ended up dying of spinal cancer on uh-huh. December 30th, 1980, at the age of 61. I hope it totally corroded every orifice of your body and made you bleed out your penis, too. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That was beautiful. 10 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> would Bryant, recommend that this guy get that spinal I hope that's what's happening every single day as he burns in the pits of hell. Uh, I fucking hate you. <laughs> what's Bryant, his name? Fucking Milam. Mean, meanie, Mc, meanerton, fucking grosser. Douchebag whose name we don't care about, actually. Yeah. Um, Bryant ended up working as a welder 
in Texas incre- um, until increasing blindness forced, forced him to give up his employment. At some point, he and Carolyn divorced. He remarried in 1980. Yes. He opened a store in Ruleville, Mississippi. Um, he was convicted in 1984 and 1988 of food stamp fraud. Huh. In 85... In an 85 interview, he denied killing Emmett, despite having admitted to, a 1950, to it in 1956, but said, quote, if Emmett Till hadn't gotten out of line, it probably wouldn't have happened to him. Out of line. You know what, you fuckwad. You. You don't know anything about him. Fearing, okay, it's, all right, I'm just, okay. Fearing economic boycotts and retaliation, he lived a private life and refused to be photographed or revealed the exact location of his store, explaining, quote, this new generation is different, and I don't want to worry about a bullet some dark night. Just like Emmett shouldn't have had to worry about it. From a white night, you fuckhead. Yep. See what I did there? I mean, that was kind of a long shot, but I did it. I did it. Because he said a dark night. Yep. I'm picking up what you're putting down. All right, guys. Sorry. Sorry. He died of cancer on September 1st, 1994 (laughs) at the age of 63. I don't know what kind. (laughs) Cancer fucking sucks. So do you and I hate you, you stupid douche. Okay. Yep. (laughs) Emmett's mother ended up marrying a man named Jean Mobley, who was a teacher and changed her surname to Till Mobley. She continued to educate people about her son's murder. In 1992, she had the opportunity to listen to to listen while Bryant was interviewed about his involvement in Emmett's murder. Oh my gosh, I can only imagine. With Bryant unaware that she was listening, he asserted that Emmett had ruined his life, expressed no remorse, and said, quote, Emmett Till is dead. I don't know why he can't just stay dead. Oh I fucking... He's a child. Can't, okay, and a mother having... I She, I, she, she probably... Oh, I can't even find the words... Yep. Coming out her chair, climbing through a window, whatever. I, she, I, I would have ripped his head off. Yep. <laughs> um, white people of the era and a lot in this era so much. Yeah. Um, me, me. Sorry, so we're going to go to 1986. <laughs> Documentary filmmaker Keith Beauchamp was moved greatly by Emmett's open casket photograph and started uh, background research for a feature film he planned to make about Emmett's murder. He asserted that as many as 14 people may have been involved, including Carolyn Bryant Donham, who she had gotten remarried. Mose Wright heard someone with a lighter voice affirm that Emmett was the one in the front yard immediately before Bryant and Milam drove away with him. Bochamp spent the next nine years producing the untold story of Emmett Lewis Till, which released in 2003, which I'm going to have to watch now. Yes. Um, then PBS aired an installment that same year of an Ameri- of American experience titled The Murder of Emmett Till. 2005, journalist Ed Bradley aired a 60 Minutes report investigating the murder, part of which showed him tracking down Carolyn Bryant at her home in Greenville, Mississippi. Fuck yeah, Ed. Yeah. Um, a Bet you nobody's whistling at you now, you fucking cunt. Sorry. Yep. No, no I'm, I'm not sorry. No, I'm not sorry. Nope. And you're not even using for the C word. You know what? Cunt, 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 I'm going to whistle it. In 1981, a book was written by Stephen Whitfield, another by Christopher Metris in 2002, and Mamie Till Mobley's memoirs. The next year, I'll pose questions as to who was involved in the murder and cover up. Federal authorities in the 21st century worked to resolve the questions about identity of the body pulled from the Tallahatchie River. 2001 U.S. Department of Justice announced that it was reopening the case to determine whether anyone other than Milam and Bryant was involved. David T. Beto 
um, a professor at the University of Alabama, stated that Emmett's murder has the mythic quality like the Kennedy assassination. Wow. Um, the Department of Justice had undertaken to investigate numerous cold cases dating to the civil rights movement in the hope of finding new evidence in other murders as well. The body, ooh, his body was exhumed and the Cook County coroner conducted an autopsy in 2005. Wow. So 1955, that'd be what, six, no, 40 years later? No, 50 years later? Yeah, 50 years later. Using DNA from Till's relative dental comparisons to images taken of Till in the anthropol, okay, anthropological, anthropological, yep, analysis, the exhumed body was positively identified as that of Emmett Till. Oh my gosh, I'm so surprised. It had extensive cranial damage, a broken left femur, and two broken wrists. The metallic fragments found in the skull were consistent with the bullets being fired from a 45 caliber gun. Two broken wrists as well? Yeah. Mm. I, I, I mean, all of it is, but... They, I mean, they they did uh, some serious damage. He was fourteen. Was a baby. And did absolutely nothing wrong. And I know, I know, you guys are gonna say there are so many cases like this. There are so that weren't even reported. I, I, I am aware, but we're. But the I, fact I, that just, this one was so big and so. And thank goodness it was. But yeah, it opened it opened for those cases. How many people back then and 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 the years prior? did absolutely nothing wrong and shit like this mm-hmm. and and i'm sure and many forgot, just forgotten even worse yeah and it didn't matter just it, because quote unquote the... it didn't matter because the white folk didn't give a shit Ugh. You okay? it's me throwing up i think that's what apollo's trying to do right apollo's now apollo's th- apollo's pissed about it as apollo's well just very upset um in February 2007, a LaFleur County grand jury composed primarily of black jurors and impaneled by Joyce Childs, a black prosecutor, found no credible basis, basis for Beauchamp's claim that 14 people took part in Emmett's abduction and murder. Beauchamp was angry with the finding. Uh, David Beto and Juan Williams, who worked on the reading materials for the Eyes on the Prize documentary, were critical of Beauchamp for trying to revise history and taking, taking attention away from other cold cases. You good, home? I said yawn. Okay. Um, the grand jury failed to find any su- sufficient cause for charges against Carolyn Bryant Donham. Neither that the FBI nor the grand jury found any credible evidence that Henry Lee Loggins, identified by Beauchamp as a suspect who could be charged, had any role in the crime. Other than Loggins, Beauchamp refused to name any of the people he alleged were involved. Um... You gonna take him? Okay. She's stealing my baby as he pulls my hair. Pulling mama's hair. So there is a historical marker. Um, the first highway marker remembering Emmett Till was erected in 2006 and was defaced with KKK, then completely covered with black paint. Wow. Um, in 2007, eight markers were erected at sites associated with Till's lynching. The marker at the river spot where his body was found was torn down in 2008, presumably thrown in the river. A replacement sign received more than 100 bullet holes over the next few years. That's 2008. That is... Another replacement was installed in June 2018, and in July it was vandalized again by bullets. Three University of Mississippi students were suspended from their fraternity after posing in front of the... Fuck you. The bullet-riddled marker with guns and uploading the photo to Instagram. As stated by Jerry Mitchell, quote, It is not clear whether the fraternity students shot the sign or are simply posing before it. In 2019, a fourth sign was erected. It was made of steel, weighs 500 pounds, is one over an inch thick, and it is said by manufacturer to be indestructible. Good. Good. 
But so. See, the, pe people are. St <laughs> I can't yell because I have a baby. Yeah. By me. So probably, probably better. Probably better that yeah. I can't yell. And this just kind of gets into more about just it, it, it just the impact it had on civil rights and the NAACP and. Um, well, what impact? Tell me. Tell okay. Me the um, so his case attracted widespread attention because of the brutality of the lynching, his young age, and the acquittal of the two men who admitted to killing him became emblematic of the injustices suffered by blacks in the South in 1955. The Chicago Defender urged its readers to react to the acquittal by voting in large numbers. This was to counter the disenfra disenfranchisement whew, since 1890 of, the, of most blacks in Mississippi by the white-dominated legislature, I'm fine. Other southern states followed this model, ex excluding hundreds of thousands of citizens from politics. Um, Meyerly Evers, the widow of Medger, Medgar Evans, Evers, I'm fine, oh my god, said in 1985 that Till's case resonated so strongly because it shook the foundations of Mississippi, both black and white, because with the black community, it had become nationally publicized with us as blacks. It said even a child was not safe from racism and bigotry and death. That's right. Yes. Um, the NAACP asked Mamie Bradley to tour the country relating the, or yeah, relaying the events of her son's life, death, and the trial of his murderers. It was one of the most successful fundraising campaigns that NAACP had ever conducted. Journalist Louis Lomax acknowledged Till's death to be the start of what he termed the Negro Revolt, and scholar Clonora Hudson Weems characterizes Emmett as a sacrificial lamb for civil rights. Oh, yeah. so yes. sad, but so true. Um, NAACP operative um, Amzie Moore considered that Till was the start of the civil rights movement, at the very least in Mississippi. Um, uh, okay, so this, in 1987, The Eyes on the Prize, a 14-hour Emmy Award-winning documentary begins with the murder of Emmett, um, accompanying written materials for the series, Eyes on the Prize and Voices of Freedom for the Second Time Period, exhaustively explore the major, major figures and events of the Civil Rights Movement. Stephen Whitaker states that as a result of the attention Till's death and the trial received, this is a, an excerpt from this. Mississippi became, in the eyes of the nation, the epitome of racism and the citadel of white supremacy. Oh, don't oh, no. From this time on, the slightest racial incident anywhere in the state was spotlighted and magnified to the Negro race throughout the South and to some extent in other parts of the country. This verdict indicated an end to the system of noblesse, noblesse oblige. That was mentioned earlier, too. The faith in the white power structure waned rapidly, Negro faith in legalism declined, and the revolt officially began on December 1st, 1955 with the Montgomery, Alabama bus boycott. Hmm. Um, ooh, okay, in Montgomery, Rosa Parks attended a rally for Emmett led by Martin Luther King Jr. Soon after, she refused to give up her seat on a segregated bus to a white passenger. The incident sparked a year-long, well-organized grassroots boycott of the public bus system. The segregation or the boycott was designed to force the city to change its segregation policies. Parks later said that when she did not get up and move to the rear of the bus, she said, "I thought of Emmett Till and I just couldn't go back." Boom. That. That. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. <laughs> Ooh. So. 
Um, oh, okay, to consider. I'm just. Um, okay. Oh, okay, that was something else. Never mind. Never mind. So, in that will be our conclusion of this heavy, heavy, heartbreaking, yeah, two-parter of Sweet Emmett Till, who cat called, whistled, whatever, or didn't at all, didn't at all, mm. brutally murdered for absolutely no reason. And I hope he is resting peacefully and having the best angel parties all the time. Oh, heck yeah, he is. On the other side. Him's doing good. And I hope everybody who wronged him is having the worst either deaths or lives, depending on where they're at in life. Yep. Since, like we said, 1955 was not that long ago. Nope. 66 years. I'm doing my math right. I think that's right. Sure. Yeah. Um... Oh man! Oh, that just, sacrificial lamb was a beautiful metaf- me- metaphor. Metaphor, yeah, yeah, of it. As heartbreaking as it yeah, is, as, yeah. but it was a beautiful way, a beautiful light to put him yeah. in. Like, and the fact that they were uh-huh. able to confirm that it was his body, even though obviously, duh. duh. But yeah. just, I hope. I hope every... Uh, I don't even know what to hope from this. Hey, I just we hope you, uh, if you have any racist tendencies at all in you, or think some of those jokes that you spew at times are funny, realize mm. that they're not, that this, some s- super awful things happen to humans. And exactly. um, and we gotta be better. We gotta do better. And um, be better, just put your, put your best foot forward and just love, man. Yeah. And if you see that injustice, don't be afraid to stand up. up. Yeah, stand stand up, up. speak up, especially Mm -hmm. for kids. One hundred percent. Like I think of just the young, some of the young people that have been, you know, brutally murdered, and some of their their cases haven't even been touched. Yep. Or there may not even be a case. Yeah. So exactly. I just there's so many names that pop in my brain, but maybe we'll we'll get to those at some point. But I hope you guys um, learn something new. Oh goodness got a grumpy baby that I'm going to deal babies. with here hmm. but um uh fantasy and world music does by the factors does our intro sound if you've got stories to tell us if you've got cases you want us to touch on if you want to rate and review us reach out to us um apple podcast is a big one because that's where we can move up on the charts yes. um even even if you just do a rating if you don't want to review you don't have to mm-hmm. um uh, if you want to reach out to us, yeah, just any, all social medias is just Bloody Babbles Podcast. That's also our Gmail. And, um, yeah, until next time, guys. Babylon. Baby on. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Zach. It's Josh. Zach, do you enjoy video games, drinking, and attempting to solve the world's problems through ridiculous schemes? Uh, yeah. Do you think others would enjoy that? I mean, I really hope so. So do I. So I think you all should come spend some time with us, the Midwest Meltdown. This show was created by these two fine gentlemen here, myself and Zach, when we spent the last 14 years telling each other funny stories, talking about video games, and literally anything else that comes to mind. We wanted to turn our passion for gaming into something that we could share with everyone. So again, follow us, the Midwest Meltdown, anywhere you can find your podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple Music, Podbean, Google Pods, check us out. We'd be happy to have you.